Welcome to Excel Boats on the X Podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. The only podcast to bring you insights on the world of hunting, fishing, and boating. With your host, J. Paul Jackson. You don't say much, do you? Rocky LaFleur. Yo, And Frost Reeves. I'm a simple man. I like pretty dark-haired women and breakfast food. Now, load up and side in. This is On The X. Welcome to the Excel Boats On The X podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors. I'm J. Paul Jackson, and today I'm joined by a very special guest, Mr. Scott Feist of Feisty Fish Guide Service in Yuba City, California, and of course, and of course, my super talented and handsome co-host, Rocky LaFleur and Frost Reeves. What's happening, guys? Hey, guys. Hey. Just, just, what was that? Is that your PBS voice? <laughs> That's my NPR. Yeah, NPR, I mean. Yeah. I'm just so excited to be here. Sweaty balls. You remember that one? All things considered, guys. Um, the only, re- hey, hey, Frost, the only th- requirement that you would need to talk about outdoors is you have to wear a flannel shirt while doing this in that voice. Oh, boom, shakalaka. I keep the flannel close to my heart. <laughs> you really do sound like a DJ on national public radio, and you're even drinking coffee from a cup while you're doing this. Uh, that's a mug that says "Beautiful Buffalo River, Ponca, Arkansas." That's about as outdoors as you can get. Sorry, I'm not wearing Sitka. <laughs> <laughs> I ordered some, but uh, <clears throat> got confiscated. <laughs> I can't help it that Scott's the same size that you no. are, and that he took me hunting. Soft. There's not a Very lot of soft. It's great gear. Great gear. Yeah, not a lot of extra smalls out there uh, hunting, but I guess luck of the draw for Scott. <laughs> I scored. <laughs> I'm glad he scored on something because he sure as hell isn't scoring on birds right now. Today we killed one speckle belly geese. Although I have to say, I've never been skunked while I've hunted with Scotty out here. And today is the first time that I've ever been with him and we didn't get deep into double digits. So, you know, it happens to everybody once in a while. J-Paul, what is that on your face? Don't even face get face? me started. I this still is- have not shaved. The last time that I shaved my face was a few weeks ago while we were fishing and filming in Mobile, Alabama, because there were a couple of people that suggested I embrace my age me. And let my gray beard grow in for winter. And uh, I don't little? think they really believed that I would do it. Didn't. So I did it. Yeah, that's it a looks- little bit of a skunk flavor for those of you that cannot see it. J. Paul has a skunk beard. It's awesome. <laughs> it looks great. You just need the patch. Explain why. You can't just say that. It's not because I stink. Well, no, the mustache is dark colored. And, the, and it's like the mustache falls off of your face to your beard and that's what's colored but everything else that's you know in between and outside of the mustache where it would fall off of your face is white gray i do have a couple of stripes of black you're right on each cheek that come from where my mustache goes down and everything else is white and you know it's a very bold salt and pepper it's very clooney very clooney Well, you got lucky because yesterday I went to Walgreens here. By the way, folks, uh, 
I'm coming to you today, not from my normal studios back home, but I'm actually sitting with Mr. Scott Feist here in Yuba City, California, in his garage. And Frost, yesterday I went to the Walgreens here to buy a razor because I'd lost the handle to mine somewhere. And uh, the lady walks up and she says, can I help you? And I said, yeah, I want to buy a razor. Don't you think I need one? And she actually turned, took a long look at my beard and she said, you know, Honey, I think it looks pretty doggone good. You ought to leave it. <laughs> Sold. Done. <laughs> Done. I went and got the razor so I could shave my neck. But so wow. I'm gonna let it grow a little bit longer, Frost, just for you. Well, hey, I hey. usually Northern yeah. California Walgreens workers are usually my go-to for for visuals. So I'd listen to them. <laughs> I have I have a question for you guys that can grow a beard because I can't grow a beard. So when you grow up a, a thick beard and it's long like that do you have to like trim it back with scissors and then shave it with the razor how does that go I i've never grown a beard like that like if you're if you've decided that the weight of manhood is too yeah. much and you're going to go back to boyhood yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i've done it regrettably and yeah i had to scissor it off and then get the you know dog shears on it and then take a razor to it the razor wow it's a three-step process in yeah it's not worth it man it takes a lot to uh emasculate yourself <laughs> well i have shaved mine before and for me i've got an electric um trimmer deal and i just use the trimmer and uh take it down as close to the skin as i can get it with the trimmer and then i come back with the razor and shave for real but it's definitely a two-step process yeah, the way you look at it. A I've three done that. I, I feel like the scissors gives you a little bit of a buffer to catch your mistake you're making. Uh, once you <laughs> hit it with that electric razor, it's done. But you can kind of feather out a couple scissor cuts if you realize, oh, I should not be doing this. I should not be doing this. Uh, but once that electric hits it, you're, you're done for. Yeah, you're screwed then. It's you're, gone. You're, eight, you're eight months out from feeling confident again, so... I recommend the three-step process for the buffer. I don't, I don't think I could deal with the smell of a beard. I think a beard would stink. Oh man, mine smells like coffee and pipe smoke. I mean, <laughs> coffee and pipe in cedar trees. I mean, <laughs> the first you know, two. Some of us bathe on sense. a regular basis, Rocky, and by bathing regularly, you avoid that problem. As a matter of fact. Are you shampooing and conditioning the beard? Yeah, but then I, yeah. but then I smoke and drink coffee and I guess climb up in cedar trees. <laughs> <laughs> or, or lay in a cedar chest. Yeah, well, I bought some uh, some beard conditioner and uh, it was it was uh, pipe tobacco. I thought, well, that'll be good. That'll smell like pipe tobacco, anyways. And it smells wonderful, but it smells, uh, the guy obviously had never smoked a pipe. It smells like, like pecan pie, which is great. I have no problem having that shoved up against my nostrils, but <laughs> pipe tobacco-ish about it. But you gotta, you, know, you really gotta groom, you gotta take care of it. And, you know. and I am so glad you called it pecan and not pecans. Well, I am a Michigander, so I have to, it's a conscious effort to say it correctly. By the way, Rocky, in Mississippi, has pecan stealing season begun yet? Oh. <laughs> it oh, is God. open. It's open in Arkansas. 
Yeah, it is in full rut. We talked about it yesterday <laughs> on the end of the line podcast. And uh, yeah, for those that are lean to the left a little bit, you probably want to avoid hearing anything about that because you could think that that is just a little racist talking about <laughs> the pecan stealing. It is, it is in full rut in Mississippi right now. Um, I'll tell you how bad that it's gotten. And I talked about this yesterday on, on our podcast is that I caught somebody night stealing or night <laughs> oh hunting with a spotlight. <laughs> you know, this, this guy's walking around my pecan grove and I'm thinking that his car's broke down or something. He's got a headlamp out in the middle of the pecan grove with a, a spinner, the roller, and he's spotlighting pecans, stealing them from my grove. And you were spotlighting pecan stealers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, all right, so we got to stop here because I got to add, now we're in an area in Northern California where they raise walnuts and almonds, uh, which, by the way, they don't call them almonds when they're on the tree. They're almonds. It's an almond. So you don't get you know the L to hit the ground? Is? I'm assuming it's what they do, like with the walnuts here, run around the orchard, steal the nuts, exactly. steal your crop. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, there are so cash you have crop. walnut things yeah. out here. Big time. Big time. Uh, all the time. I mean, it's the same thing you guys are talking about. These guys have, you know, the nuts hit the ground, hit the, and, uh, you know, all the guys go out and chase them off and night stealing. That's not unheard of. I mean, that's fairly common. I'm not, I'm not shocked to hear that at all. Well, you know, at home, we don't really consider pecans of commercial business, even though there's a pecan house in just about every southern town that buys pecans but where they're out here in orchards or where i mean the walnut trees if you've never been out here guys the walnut trees they grow to great extreme and these walnut groves are beautiful but they graft a white um, walnut onto a black walnut because the black walnut has a better root system for feeding it and growing the fruit yeah, i guess you'd call correct. the nuts yeah. and stuff so do they prosecute them out here where it's such a big commercial business you know if you went crazy with it yeah i would say if you uh you know filled up a truck bed you'd probably be <laughs> smoked but i think most of the time the farmers just run them off and kick them out of the area or what have you you might get a gun thrown at you or something Man, so it's walnut stealing season right now yeah. in northern california the nuts wow. stealing season back home but that's the, uh, cool because I look forward to pecan stealing season because it does coincide with duck season. <laughs> you know, speaking about duck season and pecan season, I, I brought this point up yesterday. I talked about, you know, when I was a kid growing up, you, you would lay in bed, you would lay everything out perfectly that night before dove season, deer season, duck season, just lay it out perfectly. You know, in the pecan stealing world, do you, do you lay out that chitlin bucket? clean it up, shine it real nice. I mean, <laughs> do yeah. you have your, your spinners? Yes. Do you have your roller that picks them up, the pecan picker up, or do you have it all painted up and nice? You know, where like like a duck decoy. Uh, I, my question yesterday was, do you keep up with the pecan journal? You know, last year on this day, we had a, 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 a 20 mile per hour wind. And man, the pecans really hit the ground, you know, on that following day. <laughs> break out your break out your GPS and like drop little waypoints around yeah. the best pecan trees in the county, you know, marking where you can 
when you got him the best, yeah, heavy yeah. wins situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, big wins, big north. Dropping drop uh, pins, dropping pins for your friends so they know where your hole is. <laughs> I hear you, bro. Oh man. So Rocky, uh, let's shift back to ducks for a second. Um, you've been getting all the duck reports. By the way, guys, listening out there, if you want to check out uh, a duck report and forecast for virtually anywhere in the country, you can go on Facebook and join the Duck South group. And uh, Scotty and I, we both are uh, doing duck reporters. reports every week this year. Yeah, and reporters for the group. Call, call it a reporter. We're the yeah. duck reporters. Yeah. There you go, duck reporters. <laughs> Live, live, <laughs> coming to you live today. But so you're getting all these duck reports as a whole around the country. What are you hearing, Rob? Common theme, dry. Arkansas, <laughs> Missouri, Tennessee, Mississippi, Louisiana. It is extremely dry. And it seems like ducks are few and far between from Venice and along the coast of Louisiana, still doing well. But anything all the way up to about northwest Missouri, uh, it's pretty thin right now. But if you do have water, you do have ducks, but the ducks are stale. They've been shot at now for nine or 10 days. Just that's the common theme. It seems like even out in Oklahoma, it's real dry. I was out there last week and extremely dry. Rivers that usually have running water, it's just dry all around. It seems like the central area of the United States. So I have a question just based in ignorance. Um, if, if they're not here and they're not anywhere else, where are they? Uh, the reports that I'm getting from other people up further north, uh, the Dakotas, Nebraska. Nebraska has a lot of ducks right now. Um, hearing that there are a good many ducks in Colorado, and that would be just north would be – um, Wyoming, Montana, Idaho. I'm here in Washington. Just have, is 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 having a yeah. ton of ducks right now. So they're basically yeah, the ducks we they, normally would yeah. be hunting. Or, we were discussing that this morning. Right they're up in Washington yeah. State, yeah. Uh, where it's I guess apple stealing season probably. <laughs> 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 but you know, Frost, well, I think most of the ducks for the Mississippi flyway that we get because the, those Colorado birds. You know, and, and on some of the Nebraska birds, they stay more to the central flyway. Um, from the reports that I'm getting, a lot of ducks still in Minnesota. Um, Canada, I mean, there, there are some guys I know that are actually still up in Canada hunting right now. I talked to a buddy from Ontario, and man, they are waylaying ducks right now. And still a lot of ducks in South Dakota, you know, they had a lot of freezing weather, pushed a lot of the birds out. They've had a big thaw. And as we've discussed many times before on this podcast, you know, ducks don't just migrate south and stay there. They don't go to Tennessee or Arkansas or Mississippi and Louisiana and the Mississippi Flyway and just hang out for the entire winter. Ducks migration, um, it's a process where they basically follow new water and to a large degree a lot of big ducks follow the frost line down for quite a while so as things warm up and thaw up to the north you'll have birds that maybe have been as far south as louisiana move back up into northern missouri 
And we're seeing some of that's happened. There's been a little bit of an early season reverse migration on the prairie. They, I, I've always said they all, the, especially your bigger ducks, your mallards, um, widgeon, pintail, are usually going to stay this time of the year within about 100, 200 miles of that freeze line. Is that correct? Wouldn't you say that? Yeah, I agree totally. I mean, the only thing that will really change that is if it's really dry up north and still unseasonably warm and we get a lot of water in the south, they'll come down and they'll follow that water line. You know, ducks in the Mississippi Flyway, if you really want to know where the ducks are going to be a lot of times, you can follow the crest of the Mississippi River pretty much from just south of St. Louis all the way down to the Gulf of Mexico. I mean, the birds follow that water. You know, and there are a lot of factors that go into what makes a duck migrate. You know, you've got, you know, the, the photo period element of it. A lot of birds are triggered, as we've discussed with biologists on here before, by the shortening of the days. But you've also got weather conditions. You've got water conditions. Uh, and all those things, the amount of food, agriculture. Food. I would say food's number two. You know, the, what J-Paul, it goes back to that video you and I made in uh, Tennessee last year. You remember that no, first of November last year? We, went, we were on a no-till farm. Yes, sir. And we went, we went right behind that combine and how much corn was left on the ground. Well, imagine that across the whole Midwest. And that hadn't been like that up until about 10 years ago. Um, it's changed over the past, you know, I would say 10 years that they are working. What is it? What was that? A jet flying the house? <laughs> It was a that was a that was a vintage VW Beetle. We're doing this from his garage. It makes a great studio. That was a vintage VW Beetle that just came blowing down the street. And guys, I've got to apologize. When we were setting this thing up, you could have heard a pin drop in his garage. His neighborhood is so calm and so nice and so quiet. And in the last 15 minutes, every damn person in the neighborhood has decided they need to either go to work, go shopping, go to town, go somewhere and make some noise. Hey, J-Paul, you know, that's what uh, Mike Spain, Black Tupelo, that's what he drives his clients out in is a vintage VW Beetle. No way. <laughs> Ask him about it. Ask him about it. I I'm going to. I'm going to call him and ask him. I've got a question for Scott, though. Um, surprisingly I've seen a lot of fields that had corn in them but most of them are discs. Do they do any no-till farming here in Northern California? Very little, very little. I mean most of it's all rock and uh, you know mostly rice here. So in the Sacramento Valley just to give you a little geographical stuff for the listeners here. Uh, we grow about 550,000 acres of rice. So it's primarily rice. Uh, Along the river, like the Sacramento River or Feather River, which we do some duck hunting on the river too, especially when it floods up, you know, you primarily see your walnut trees. And then inland, mixed in with the rice, we have a lot of almond trees. Not almond, almond. Where did the L go? Well, you know, when the nut falls off the tree, that L drops out of there. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> did not know that. Okay. So they're almonds when they're on the tree, they're almonds Correct. when they're on yeah. the ground. Oh, so the L like... The L yeah, somehow it, it like kind of magically falls off when the nut hits the ground. 
Oh, so it's an almond, and then well, it hits the ground sure, and it becomes an take, almond. Take it. It's called an almond. Okay. Not gotcha. an almond, an almond. Gotcha. That's new. A lot of strange stuff out here <laughs> in Northern California. Yeah, it's an odd. Hey, Scott, how, how often do y'all freeze up out there? Very seldom. Once a year. Once a year. You know, uh, and usually only for a couple days. And we're not talking freezes like you guys have, where you guys got to boil machines and this kind of stuff. We're talking like decoys froze for one day, maybe – 11 o'clock, you know, you can start breaking ice with your feet fairly easy. Usually once a season. We did not freeze one time last duck season. I think the, I think the coolest thing about, about you in California, and we've talked about this on the phone multiple times in visiting about this migration report, but the coolest thing about out there is the number of specks that you can kill and the number of specks that you guys are seeing. You can kill 10 specks, right? Correct. I mean, that, that would, to me, that would almost make me move to California because spec hunting, <laughs> spec hunting to me, I mean, it, it's almost like decoy mallards in. Well, it's, it's, it's better for me. I mean, we, I love it. It's my absolute favorite thing, killing big speckle bellies. I love eating them. I love hunting them. I love calling them. I love the whole thing about it. And we do, we have the volume of birds here. Um, you know, right now, I can the, testify to that. Yeah. I mean, but right now isn't our prime season, you know, California, uh, unless we have weather in November, it's, it's pretty dry. I mean, I usually don't even start my guide service till about the first of December. Uh, once we get into the middle of the month, you know, like December 10th, the 15th, we start really racking on those specs. I mean, putting the wood to it and, you know, people call me all the time, like, well, Hey, you're allowed 10. Do you shoot 10? I mean, not only do we shoot 10 in the fields often on our goose hunts, I mean, we'll do it in the duck blind. So what, we'll you know, I'll have five, six clients out. We'll knock down 55 specs, have, you know, six limits of ducks. I mean, things are happening, you know, when it's right, but we're just not quite there yet. Like I'm listening to your guys' reports kind of across the nation and following the duck south stuff and what you guys were just talking about, everything being dry. We're, we're dry too. I mean, we're kind of lack of rain. I'm looking at my 15-day forecast. We don't have one drop of rain. You know, we're having 40 degree nights with 55 degree days. Most of our birds migrate down from our ducks anyways. The majority of them are Alberta birds that head south. They're hung up in Washington right now. They're stuck there. There are some birds, you know, sitting in Southern Oregon and the furthest push of Northern California, like the Klamath Basin, uh, Fall River, these kind of areas. That's where a lot of our mallards, gray ducks are. A lot of our teal are hung up there right now. But that absolutely needs to freeze before those birds are going to come down to here. So in the Sacramento Valley as a whole, we have ducks right now. Our refuges are loaded. I mean, if I took these boys, you know, down to the Sacramento complex, Delavan, Calusa, Sutter, the one right down the street from me. I mean, there are tens of thousands and thousands and thousands of ducks sitting there, but nothing's going to move them. And they're kind of stagnant birds like you were talking about. We need some of our northern Widgeon. I mean, I'm not even seeing widgeon right now, really. Normally, you know, if we had storms even in November, I mean, you can go out and shoot limits of some widgeons, some teal. They're just not moving down yet. The rice fields really don't have any birds in them here. You know, I've, I've seen it when you, they call them checks out here, when there wouldn't be a rice check, didn't have ducks in it in January and February out here. So, you know, it's so dry here that the dog, and we did get into, I've got to say, in for Scott, you know, he does a great job. We did get deep into double digits on specs yesterday. We really got on the birds. But it's so dry, the dog was kicking up dust 
as it went to retrieve across the rice field. I mean, that's, you know, that's seriously dry out here. And, and for those of you who've never been out here and hunted, uh, you ought to check out my Instagram from this morning. You know, it, it's so similar to Arkansas with super liberal bag limits. I mean, when you're laying out here in one of these rice fields hunting, you would think you're in Arkansas, except for the mountains that you see, you know, all around you. I mean, you've got the coastal range that you can see to the west. You've got the Sierra Nevadas to the east and where we're hunting uh, to our south or to our north. You can see the Sutter Butte range, which is the smallest mountain range in the world, but really, really neat, you know, when you're laying there hunting. But other than the mountains, it's just like being in Arkansas. It's mallards, widgeons, teal. Uh, you know, pintails, loads of pintails, canvasbacks. Canvas yeah, we saw canvasbacks both yesterday and today. Cousins but, marrying cousins, brothers marrying sisters. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's in Frost, home state of Arkansas. No, that's that's yeah, what I'm talking about. I mean, we got some weird stuff out here, but it doesn't get that goofy. <laughs> maybe brothers yeah, marrying brothers, maybe brothers marrying brothers. In the Bay Area. <laughs> yeah, so you guys are cutting out real bad. Sorry, we're talking over. Last each thing other. I heard was a uh, widgeon. Sorry. <laughs> hey, I do. Uh, coming from a guy, one guy from Tennessee and the other guy from Mississippi. So that's uh, <laughs> the the kettle to the pot, if anything. It's my goodness. Yeah, you're. <laughs> that, and that, I'm like I do, a really you, nice copper you know hey. stainless pot. <laughs> Scott, do you know what? A Mississippi divorce and an Arkansas tornado have in common? Give it to me. No. Somebody's going to lose a damn fine trailer home in both of them. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. I couldn't resist. Hey, I got. I do have a duck hunting question. Back to the duck hunting. Bay. Do you ever hunt the bay? Do I? know? But, I mean, guys do. We have a great, uh, you know, uh, Diver duck hunting in the San Francisco Bay you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what what type of divers? I'm sure you talk to some of those guys. What what kind of divers are they killing in the bay? You know, mostly uh, golden eye. You know, you get your buffalo heads, uh, canvas backs. Uh, I wouldn't say a lot of canvas backs, but quite a few canvas backs. We don't have the red heads here. Very seldom bird for us in California. Um, I've shot one my entire life redheads in california so pretty rare they're all blondes out here they're all blondes even though yeah, i had a redhead not long ago that's a different topic <laughs> let me tell you everything is true you know about that with those redheads they're crazy um <laughs> but you know a lot you know some different sea ducks you get your ruddy ducks but primarily like your golden eyes um would probably be your predominant duck out there i've, I've always wondered what sat on the san francisco bay i knew that was a hot waterfowling area i have a cousin that lives outside of san francisco and he goes a couple of times a year uh on the bay and well don't let me forget about bluebells i mean obviously bluebells by the thousands too so that would be a another pretty prime duck but you know the san francisco bay is a couple hours away from me it's a whole different operation you know setting setting in the salt big string decoy lines you know i'm stuck up here in the in the north country we're, we're hunting rice and and some flooded flooded stuff when when we have the water so some of the exotic ducks that are up north of you they don't make it that far south that go along that pacific coast like what what, what, uh, what? like the like a eider or a 
what's a, what's one in Alaska that everybody goes uh, to? Harlequin. The Harlequin. Harlequin. Or the, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. Those King down Eider. King Eider would be probably the yeah. number one. Yeah. The King Eider. Those, you know, maybe like Northern Washington on the coast, you might poke one. You're not, you're not, you know, very old squaw would be another one, I guess, but the majority oh, of those you're going to do. Whoa, you whoa, can't. Whoa. You, you, whoa, whoa. We, this you is a politically correct term, sir. sir. You, can't see, you can't use the term old squaw anymore when referring to that bird. Oh, it is a oh, long tailed oh, oh, duck. Excuse me, long tailed duck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, there, there, there are some states where, okay. where their wildlife, yeah. they will not let their biologists or their employees refer to that bird anymore as an old squaw because they feel like it hurts the sensibility of some people okay. well native americans the, and so now it has officially become in michigan it's officially the long-tailed duck well listen the old squaws don't make it down the coast <laughs> <laughs> they don't make it down the coast that far so you know maybe northern uh oregon but you know for our sea ducks down here you know it's your your black jacks golden eyes you know burrows a few burrows golden eyes mixed in there and that's about that did you notice that i guess it's in your honor the cap that Frost is wearing today. Bend back down. Let's see. Are you a grizzly bear? Uh, actually, I thought that was a golden bear. Isn't that like uh, the no. state? Yeah. Oh, yeah, state yeah. Flag, yep. Yeah. yep. Yeah. What What is a golden bear? Mm, it's just a bear that's golden. <laughs> 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 Come on uh, now. Yeah, it's made up though. That was the answer. <laughs> right. I'm 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 asking. That's not a real species no. of bear, is it? It's like a bear that lives in California with the California sunlight hitting it. That's, yeah, pretty much okay. something like that. Like the okay. Warriors, the basketball team. Right. Yeah. Like <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just was interested to know if there was some rare, you know, like a spirit bear that I was unfamiliar with, but it's just a, another name for a bear. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Well, and what's strange is here in Yuba City. This is another strange thing when you come out here about Northern California. You know, in the United States, there are three different towns that consider themselves the duck capital of the world. Of course, everybody knows about Stuttgart. And if you're from Louisiana, Gaydon, Louisiana, I believe they actually have a, a sign. But the same thing is true here in Yuba City. There is uh, every sign that says Yuba City has mallards on it and downtown there's a huge mural on the side of a building that's a big waterfowling scene and there's at least one sign coming into town that i've seen that says welcome to yuba city california uh duck capital of the world so, so wow. it's, uh, they're everywhere the here. first i beg your pardon so the question is who put the sign up first <laughs> you know that's a good that is one. a very good question we need to google that yeah you need to research that for us and find out and I bet you there are some I'm other cities out there that have the same, you know, claim to them. But uh, hey, those are the three. Hey, hey Scott, what, what I think would be interesting to a lot of people that's listening to this, go over the bag limits real quick, if you don't mind, on ducks. Yeah, sure. Ducks were allowed seven ducks. Uh, that's that's ducks. the most interesting to yeah, me. Seven ducks, and you could have seven greenheads too. So it's not, you know, like seven and four. Uh, the only thing that kind of got tweaked this year, the biologists that did our studies on our sprig um, or pintail, uh, 
kind of messed up the numbers, but it was too late to change it. So they dropped our bag limit on pintail from two birds to one this year for the first time ever. So we're only allowed one pintail a year. It's going back a day, to two, a or, day. excuse me, a day. I didn't mean to say a year, a day. Uh, it's going back to two next year. Um, other stuff, there's really, you know, nothing too crazy. Canvas back, you're allowed two. Um, everything else is wide open. Wood ducks, you can shoot seven wood ducks. You can shoot seven teal, seven gray ducks. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Red I mean, they're, well, redheads, you just don't want to mess with. Trust me, they're crazy. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> hey, but um, redheads, I don't even know. I think it's maybe one, but we don't, you know, we don't shoot any, so I don't even really know what the bag limit is on them. Uh, diver stuff. Uh, I think. Uh, I'll tell you what. Yeah. Take it I mean, back. Let's let's do it this way. We're sitting in a blind with your best blind uh -huh. that we're going to kill a mixed bag on. What are we going to see, and what's the limit on those? I mean, uh, what what are we most likely to see? Your common core ducks are going to be widgeon, mallards, sprig, green wing teal. In this country, we have very little blue wing, a few winging around. Occasionally, we'll shoot a cinnamon. Like my blind, maybe I'll shoot, my best blind will shoot three or four cinnamon teal all year. A blue wing, maybe we'll bag one or two. Uh, green wing, everywhere. This is, this is green wing city. Um, you know, a lot of widgeon in the valley. We have a lot of widgeon. Um, if you're hunting the flooded marshes and the timberish stuff, either A, when we flood out, or you're hunting a natural marsh club, we do hold a lot of mallards here, you know, not like Arkansas and some of the stuff you guys have, but uh, there's a lot of mallards here, but pintail are everywhere. But basically to answer his question, the only thing you've really got to worry about not going over your limit on is pintail. Cause you can really, you yeah. can fill up your yeah, bag yeah, with seven not, mallards, yeah, seven, seven, tail. seven wood ducks, whatever. You got seven, seven gray ducks. It makes no difference. Now, when we go to the geese, which we already kind of touched base on, we're allowed 10 darks, you know, as far as, as the specs go, with the snows, they still cap us on snow. So we're allowed 30 a piece, um, but we shoot 30 a piece often. I mean, I don't know what you're going to do with more than 30 snows anyways, but um, you're allowed 30 and 10. So as far as that goes on the goose, goose numbers. And for those of you at home that are wondering about why they cap snow geese and we don't in the other parts of the country, it's because out here they're hunting a different population of snow geese. The geese that, and the specks too, that migrate to this area of California, a lot of them originate from Alaska and from Wrangell Island, which is actually in Russia and Siberia. So it's not the same mid-continent population of snow geese, but they are still extraordinarily numerous here. And, and what's even stranger is they're way easier to hunt. I mean, you can't use electronic collars at all out here but we killed double digit snow geese yesterday and every day that I've ever been out here, they really decoy well and they actually respond to calling, which is uh, if you like to hunt snow geese, this is definitely the place to come and do it rock because it, it's just totally different how well these birds decoy and work, but they're from a different breeding yeah. area. Well, the majority of them. So the lessers and the greater snows are almost all true north. So like that Alaska, that Wrangell Island, but all of the Ross Keys I've ever shot banded, which we shoot quite a few, are all from Nuvavet, Canada, so Northeast Canada. So they actually do cut all the way across the Ross Keys. But all our greater snow geese and our lessers, for the most part, that all the bands and the information we have are all from due north. 
So kind of interesting that those Rossies wow. cut all the way across. So I'm assuming they bombed through Saskatchewan, maybe the tip of Alberta. I would assume through maybe Idaho, dip somewhere across through maybe Nevada or north northeast uh, Oregon, and then dip down into, into the valley. But almost all the Roskies are from Novavet. Yeah, so they, wow. they're they so, yeah, they're, 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 they're moving around, yeah. It's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Scott, what's uh, what's your flooded timber like up there? Uh, you know, as far as like, water, what is what is the timber like? What are you, it's uh, it's not like hardwood timber, like you know, like a lot of guys are probably used to, like Arkansas kind of stuff. I'm imagining um, lower trees, uh, scrub oak, a lot of big willows, um, cottonwoods, like when we're on the river. A lot of the, the lower lane cottonwoods will will, uh, will flood out, you know, and that kind of stuff. Um, we don't have a lot of flooded timber hunting, but we have it when we have the water. So, like last year, we were flooded in this valley uh, almost the whole entire duck season. Um, you know, it does some good. You could offer some great hunts, some mallard and wood duck hunts, but it also dramatically spreads our birds out here. So. For me, do I want it to flood, and do I want to hunt timber for myself? But as far as a guide, my guiding goes, you know, it takes a lot of those birds out of my rice, out of the stuff we have, eating on all this different food that they never had, and all in all, it kind of bombs a lot of the hunting in the valley in general. Gotcha. It's pretty cool. He was showing me some spots today, Frosted. I mean, they hunt them just like we do at home when the fields flood out. You know, they take you know, their mud buddies go out in that shallow water, boats with blinds on them. Uh, you know, a lot of guys out here are running mud buddies, surface drives, HDRs, and uh, they hunt them just like we do. They get tucked in up against the trees, put up the boat blind, you know, on the edge of a field and, and hammer on them. And hopefully when we come back in January, we're going to get to, if they ever get water, experience a, a little bit of that. But it's a, it's really neat hunting out here, and I'll tell you, I've enjoyed it greatly. And Scott, I want to thank you for agreeing today to yeah, you know, no, be our guest. No, this is great. Co-host you know, today. Tough, tough crowd. You know these guys right here. They're not easy. <laughs> you guys know. I mean, you know, it's your boy, but we're having a good time, man. I'm glad you're here, Rocky. I've got Sizemore out here with us too, so you can imagine what what's going on. But you know, I we're can't having... believe you didn't bring him in. Does oh, he? You know, I don't know why. Is he napping? I think he's Actually, napping, he yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah, he we're was wearing him out. We're wearing him out. He was asleep in the back of the truck. Snoring. Here. Snoring. Is his teeth purple yet? No. He drinks it. He drinks enough wine he, as much as an elephant drinks water. <laughs> and dude, there's plenty of it out here. We've had a we've had a great time. And but I'm looking forward to getting back home and seeing both of you guys here by the weekend. And uh, that's sweet. That's really <laughs> yes. Sweet. I love you, dear. Yeah. <laughs> You have me. You have me confused. That was heartfelt. <laughs> yeah, guys. Well, man, thanks so much for allowing us to hook up today. And you know, for all you folks out there listening, I hope you've enjoyed it. And if you ever get the opportunity, you do need to come out here to Northern California. I can tell you that Scott Feist, Feist and Fish Guide Service, he's premier guide out here, not only for waterfowl but also for stripers and salmon. Uh, he spends just as many days on the water, actually more days on the water than he does in the field. You can find him at Feisty Fish Guide Service. Um, 
look him up, bring it out here. Also, keep on following our Duck Reports, the Duck South group on Facebook. And uh, really hope that you guys enjoyed this edition of the Excel Boats on the X Podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors.